What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Oh my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the Prince of Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. This is Jimmy Van the Boogie Woogie Man. Tell my people, and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there! This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Uh, only a little bit though, but uh, really excited to uh, go out there and show everybody what I'm capable of. Um, it's the biggest match of my career, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. So uh, going against the Young Bucks, which is uh, quite a tag team, possibly the best in the world. Um, but I think me and Ricochet can can beat them. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah, I. I I usually don't get nervous, so this is a weird feeling for me, but uh, like I said, I, I perform best under pressure, actually, I think, so um, it'll be cool to see what, I'm, what I pull out. I don't even know what I'm going to do today, uh, but I plan on leaving as champion. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to episode number 249 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, we are joined by a superstar in the world of New Japan pro wrestling, a guy whose family has spent decades around professional wrestling, and most recently before him, his father, the one and only Fit Finley, was a huge star both in WCW, in the WWE, as well as all over the world. And now we get to see what the product of learning under the Finley family tutelage that his son David Finley brings to the table, and it's an awesome chat. And John, this is one I know is right up your alley. So I'm going to get right into it with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about David Finley? Tell us a little bit more about what David Finley has in professional wrestling, and obviously his family history completely off the charts. And obviously with him, it's only going to get bigger and better. 
Yes, Chad back again, and this time with another son of a legendary wrestler. As the, I guess you can call it the week of the son of the legendary wrestler continues. And of course, talking about the son of the legendary Dave Fit Finley. He is David Finley. And, you know, thinking about him and his career, you say, oh, second generation wrestler, third generation wrestler. Nope. Fourth generation wrestler. He's got to be the first. I can't think of anybody else, you know, off the top of my head. Even when we interviewed him and did some research, I really couldn't find any concrete fourth-generation superstars. So I'm going to say, and he says as well, that he's the first fourth-generation star. So I'm going to go with that, of course. So, you know, being the son of the legendary Fit Finley is just amazing. And I love getting that question at the end, or, or, you know, the fact that you got that question in at the end. About where is that jacket exactly? You know, that awesome jacket with the shoulder pad and the leather and everything else. And we get a great answer from him on it and kind of where it is and where it's going to be. So that's pretty damn cool. And I uh, that was one of my you know favorite parts of the interview just because I thought it was so funny. Because I was just always curious, like, what the hell is that jacket? That jacket was awesome. And if I was David, I would be in New Japan Pro Wrestling right now wearing it. So stick around you know to the end of the interview and you'll get a little piece of that a little snippet of where that jacket may be you know there's some awesome stories of being the son of fit finley and training with his dad and the little tidbit that he threw out there his actually debut match first match ever he got to team with his dad in a tag match so that's just phenomenal in and of itself so i mean that's a really cool thing to kind of throw out there as well and of course we get into his time with new japan pro wrestling the greatest wrestling promotion in the world yes i said it the greatest wrestling promotion in the world without a doubt we get into his training we get into the dojo we get into him being a young lion paying his dues dealing with that old-school, tough, military-style training that they do in New Japan. Really, really good stuff. We talked to Bad Luck Valet about it. We talked to Jay White about it. And it was awesome to get to talk to David Finley about it as well. Now, obviously, we're going to get into New Japan and his time in New Japan, him competing in the Best of the Super Jays, a.k.a. the Best of the Super Junior Tournament. He competed in a couple of them. Obviously, his father once competed in it, so that's pretty damn cool. We talk about the Tokyo Dome. We talk about his parents being at the Tokyo Dome this year. Lots and lots of good stuff there. We talk about winning the Never Openweight Six-Man Championship, obviously with his partners Ricochet and Kojima. Kojima, an absolute legend in his business. Ricochet, arguably the greatest high flyer in wrestling today. So we get some great stories on both those guys. We definitely delve into Ricochet a little bit more because that became somewhat of a frequent tag team partner as uh, Matt Seidel was quote-unquote banned from Japan. So David Finley was able to fill in uh, for Matt and fill in quite well and and almost better in a way in a sense because you get a little bit more of a, a different style when you have David Finley as opposed to Seidel and then the the mix between Finley and Ricochet is actually quite cool so we get some great stories from David what he thinks about Ricochet teaming with Ricochet all that good stuff and then of course we mentioned it with Jay White. We had to mention it, David Finley. They had quite a little feud in New Japan Pro Wrestling, kind of starting off all the cards. And like we said in the interview, uh, Jay White won 7 out of 8. So we wanted to get kind of David uh, Finley's opinion on it. And obviously he got that, finally got that big win against Jay White. But, you know, we, we definitely delve into that feud a little bit as well. And obviously we delve into all the big names 
in New Japan Pro Wrestling. All the guys that they have just kind of pumping out that are just amazing, whether it's Kenny Omega from the Bullet Club, whether it's Okada, who is arguably the best wrestler in wrestling today, whether it's Tanahashi, the ace, who is one of the greatest of all times. We go into them all. So this is going to be a really, really fun one, especially if you're a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling, especially if you're a fan of Fit Finley. You are going to love this interview. So sit back, relax, take it away, chatty boy. It's definitely refreshing to hear the uh, the more humanized side of Fit Finley. We know him as such an aggressive brawler. We know him as such a hard-nosed guy. And to hear him uh, talked about as a dad, talk about as a supportive father and getting into professional wrestling and how he has been such an accomplished trainer to hear how his son really has taken the advice of his father. And obviously the family history plays into that as well. But definitely David Finley, a star on the rise, and it was great that we got him on to talk what he's done so far. Because in New Japan, he just came back from his injury, and man, he was rocking and rolling, and he was obviously uh, not missing a beat as he returned a few weeks back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it's great to see David back in the saddle and wishing him nothing but the best. But as we move forward here, next episode is episode number 250. We've got a huge guest in store for you, a guy that doesn't do many interviews, and he's definitely a hot-button topic in professional wrestling. He's a guy who's uh, had a lot of stuff said about him uh, very negatively over the past couple of years, and he's going to come on with us and hopefully put those rumors to rest and kind of you know, maybe take a couple of jabs back at some of the critics because uh, there's definitely not a lot of friendly stuff about our guest on episode 250. So enjoy David Finley. Take a listen to a couple of the uh, the little funny subtle jokes we got in there about is he really the son of Fit Finley because I thought we learned who the son of Fit Finley was on WWE TV a few years back. So Anyway, enjoy it, and obviously the music's going to creep in now, and we are going to get it on over to David Finley. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please visit our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, check out the feed for some legendary episodes featuring the living legend himself, Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Ray Mysterio Jr., Jeffrey McDivitt, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, AJ Styles, and so many others. Also, while you're surfing the web, check out WrestlingInc.com. Yes, that is WrestlingInc.com. They are the number one wrestling news source out there, so please check them out. Also, while on the internet, go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com is your superstore. If you are a super fan, and you can please check out our page while you're there, you can check out Tito Santana, Paul Orndorff, Coco Beware, Magnum TA, Buff Bagwell, and so, so many others. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. April 22nd, we hit Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Icon Collectors Fest. Then, May 19th and May 20th, we hit the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo in Richmond, Virginia. Then, follow us to New Jersey as we hit Legends of the Ring in Monroe, 
so please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017, because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a New Japan Pro Wrestling star, a former never openweight six-man champion, he's a man that loves to fight. He's the son of the legendary Rick Finley, and he's now the Celtic Prince. He is David Finley. Please enjoy. about talking about people's backstories and I know John is uh chomping at the bit to get into uh what you're doing now but uh, I'm just going to uh, I'll just get rolling if you're all set. All right, sweet. Awesome. Well, joining us on the line tonight is a man who's rich in wrestling history when you think of the last name. Right now he is dominating over in Japan. He is a never openweight six-man champion. He is the Celtic Prince. And the one and only David Finley is joining us tonight. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thanks, guys. How you doing? Uh, we're uh, we're so pumped to have you on, David. It's uh, it's really a, a real pleasure. We uh, we're definitely big fans of what's going over going on over in Japan. And uh, first things first, I know you're uh, you're back in the states right now. But uh, how do you like that adjustment going back and forth from Japan to the United States? Um, well, it's definitely good for uh, my Sky Miles account, that's for sure. But um, I like it. I've always loved traveling. I've been traveling since uh, I graduated high school. Um, so, like, it's it's just, it's, uh, it's a passion of mine, I guess. So I guess it's cool that I get paid to go and see the world. Oh, yeah, you can't go wrong. Now, of course, yeah, right out of high school, getting on that plane, Japan is... Uh, it's not always the most uh, friendliest of flights. I know it can be quite long, but obviously, you know, like I said at the top, you know, your family, rich in wrestling history. Your dad, obviously, Fit Finley, somebody who was so instrumental in not only having a uh, trademark and benchmark career that he's had, but so instrumental from the training perspective. But what was it about what your dad did in professional wrestling that made you want to become a professional wrestler? Well, um, I was always around it. I was immersed in uh, my dad's profession since uh, I, I was born, basically. There's pictures of me as a six-week-old baby hanging on to the bottom rope, and my dad's just, you know, right in front of me looking at me. So, uh, which is kind of, I guess it kind of foreshadowed my career. You know, my, my dad's on the sidelines. He's behind the scenes now, and I'm the one in the ring, and he's still, you know, coaching me from the sidelines. But, um, I mean, it was, it was everything I've ever wanted to do uh, from as long as I can remember, 
and I never changed it. Always wanted to do it. And uh, so I guess when um, probably I was about 14, my dad's like, all right, well, uh, you're going to go a different route than uh, most people would expect you to. Because um, my dad works with WWE, obviously. Uh, and he was like, you're going to go travel. You're going to go to England. You're going to work for Brian Dixon. You're going to go to Japan. And then if you want to come here, come here. But uh, I love Japan way too much to ever leave. So... No, that's awesome. And obviously, you know, for the non, and I'll say, quote, educated fan, obviously we're not talking to uh, to Hornswoggle. So for those who think that Hornswoggle <laughs> is Fit Finley's son, we're not talking to Hornswoggle. But, David, you know, we talk about your dad, and obviously, like I said, he's played such a part. Really, and I even say, in, you know, in women's wrestling, he's changed the way that women's wrestling is looked at. Now in 2017, I mean, obviously the progression from where it was, you know, 10, 12 years ago to now is – off the charts, but how has your dad as a mentor, as a teacher, and really giving you the uh, the advice and the instructions, like you said, he told you to get over to England, and obviously that was a stepping stone, but how has your dad's, uh, you know, just obvious, uh, ridiculous amount of knowledge about professional wrestling, how has that really helped you along in your early stages of your career? Uh, well, it's helped me in every aspect. Obviously, in-ring it's helped me. Also, out-of-ring is where it's been most valuable. I mean, like, my dad is my hero. I think he's the greatest guy that's ever walked this planet. Um, and so, like, I have a girlfriend right now, and we've been together the entire time. I've been in Japan, and uh, we've been best friends since I was 16. So, like, just learning from him how to handle, you know, a relationship boy on the road is one thing. How to handle your money, how to handle yourself professionally uh, locker room etiquette, all that stuff. Obviously, you know, teach me how to wrestle and stuff. That's the obvious one. But just literally every aspect of this business, he's been such, such a, such a help. So, uh, like, just invaluable. Yeah, and you know, in the '90s, growing up, you know, we always read his name in the, you know, in the magazines. And when we saw him finally come over to the states. You know, when he became a part of WCW, we got to see that brawling style, that hard-hitting style. But, you know, what would you say you consider your style to be compared to what was that of your father? Um, I like to think I'm a little similar, but also a little different. I, I don't think you can really categorize my style in anything. Like, I don't really fly around. I kind of sort of brawl, but I just kind of throw myself at you, and whatever happens, happens. I don't know what you want to call that, but that's what I do. Now, obviously, your father is a huge legend in the wrestling business, whether it be out of the ring or in the ring. I love his feud with Regal. I mean, so many great moments that he had in his career. But what was it like when you make your debut and you're actually teaming with your father, obviously against uh, Robbie Brookside and Danny Boy, but what was it like teaming with him? Um, well, a little backstory on that. Uh when my dad was back wrestling in Germany before he came over to the States, uh, Robin Brookside and Danny Collins were also uh, wrestling with him in the CWA. And uh, Robbie Brookside was in his early to mid-20s, probably about the same age as I am right now, which is 23. And uh, little two-year-old me was convinced that Robbie Brookside was my older brother because he just always <laughs> took care of me. So uh, not only was it special to you know be in the ring with my dad, it was also special to be in there with Danny Collins and Robbie Brookside and uh, – but uh, that match was actually bittersweet for me because uh, my dad was going into the match retiring, and the way it came about was uh, he came up to me one day and was just like, oh, I think I'm done wrestling. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, oh, I just 
you know, don't really enjoy it as much anymore. Uh, and he, he already had his job back with WWE. He had previously been fired. And so he just really got more joy out of producing. So he came out to me and was like, I, I think I'm done. Do you want to tag together? And I hadn't, I hadn't had a match yet. So I was like, yeah, of course, sure. Um, not thinking it was an actual, like, serious thought. I thought it was just a win with my dad. My dad tends to have these little wins from time to time. And uh, sure enough, two weeks later, he's like, oh, we're going to uh, Germany on this day. And it was about three weeks out. And I was like, Dad, I don't know how to wrestle yet. Even though we had, I grew up with a ring in my house. But uh, my dad was always on the road. I was an amateur wrestler. So I, I was in school, so there was never really any time. Because when he was home, it was family time, and I never wanted to take away from that because I have a brother and a sister. So, uh, you know, I, he put me on a crash course, and we just went out there and wrestled. And when it was over and done, it was, it, was, uh, it was bittersweet. I remember hugging my dad in the ring and fighting back tears, actually, because he's my hero, and I was like, oh, I'm never going to get to see him wrestle again. But on the flip side of that, I remember he talking to my ear, just going, like, after the match was over, like, all right, torches in your hands. And uh, so that, I, I felt like I was a little bit of pressure, but it was also uh, uh, comforting to know that my dad trusted me with uh, the legacy that he built. Which is awesome. And you said bittersweet, but it's quite a debut. If you're an outsider looking in, it's almost like, wow, you know, you're debuting with huge legend in the business. You get a team with him. Obviously, it's your father. So, I mean, there's another added aspect to it of it that's really cool. But what about being a fourth-generation pro wrestler? Because I don't know if there's any of them around, and it's kind of rare. I mean, we always hear about third generation with The Rock and Randy Orton and stuff. But fourth generation, that's pretty big time. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those rare cases, I guess. I mean, it's rare right now. Eventually, there's going to be more of me running around. But, um, no, it's cool. I, I like when – I, when I first uh, started wrestling, I was – I mean, I still am proud of it, but I, I was really like – that was my whole advertising thing, I guess. It was like, oh, I'm fourth generation, I'm fourth generation. But then I realized people will go, oh, that's cool. And then they leave it at that. They They want to see what you're capable of and not – what your father or your grandfather, or in my case, your great-grandfather was capable of, they want to see you. So in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter what generation anybody is. It it matters uh, about your work rate and what you can produce in the ring. And obviously, you know, kind of not, not new, but you started in 2012. But you know you're kind of getting the swing of things, and it's kind of making a name for yourself, aside from being that fourth-generation pro wrestler. But when, as you're, you know, kind of going through the rounds and almost going through the international wrestling scene, obviously you wrestle in Germany. Uh, you even wrestle in Africa, of all places, obviously here in the States. But what's the scene like over in England? Because it seems like that's a, a scene that keeps growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger. Um, well, I, if I remember correctly, and I'm sure somebody's going to correct me on this, and I hope they do, uh, I got there just as things were starting to boom a bit more of course I only worked for Brian Dixon so I was doing like Butlins and Havens and all these like little kids vacation camps which is exactly what I needed because I had like eight matches before I went over and worked for Brian I stayed there for six months um but a lot of the guys that are uh you know making waves now were were and still to this day uh working for Brian Dixon you know he was he was the guy that gave everybody the most work and that's what everybody needed to hone their craft. Other guys made it other ways, and, you know, everybody everybody has their own past. But uh, I got there right as things were booming. 
Um, I, I wasn't a part of the boom. I just happened to be there. Um, and I, I really wish I could go back. I haven't been back since because the British wrestling comes up probably every week. And uh, it's a lot of these guys are my friends, and it's real good to know that, uh, you know, this is, there's another scene that's, that's making it. It's alive and well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, I guess you were there right as it was hitting the boom, but kind of a part of that, that upswing that you obviously you see now with uh, Rev Pro, Progress Wrestling, you what know, culture. It's really blowing up over there. And you said, you know, you definitely want to go back with New Japan, kind of having a deal with Rev Pro. You see yourself back in the U.K. sooner rather than later? Uh, I would I would like to think so. I mean, it all, it all depends on uh, on uh, who wants me. Uh I was in the dojo up until uh, August of last year, and uh, I had, out of the entire year last year, I was in the States for 35 days, so that's about 10% of the time I was home, so I didn't take, like, any book, I haven't taken any booking since I went to Japan, because I'm just always on the go, when I come back, I gotta, like, catch up with my family and stuff, but now that I get to fly back and forth a whole lot more, I would like to actually get out more and go to all these places because I, I miss doing things different. I miss, I miss England. I miss the British scene. I miss, you know, Germany, all these places where, you know, the crowds there are so different, so awesome, you know, and it's just like, I love Japan. It's my favorite place to wrestle, but I want to go other places as well. And your dad kind of made his impact wrestling all around the world, obviously. Is that kind of what you want to do as well, almost kind of make your mark like him, be that, uh, be, you know, basically be that kind of international soldier? Yeah, that's kind of been the goal from the get-go. You know, I have a little uh, list of countries I've, I've wrestled in. And four years in, I think I'm at like 11 or 12 off the top of my head, um, which isn't too bad, but I mean, half that's the UK. I just counted every country that they have, so... It's cheating a tiny bit, but still, I've I've been on three continents, four continents. I'm not really sure, but uh, you know I've got to see a big piece of the world because of what I do. So, you know, I, w- I want to go as many places as I can. So one day, you know, when I'm when I'm all done with wrestling, and hopefully my kids are doing it or whatever they're doing, I can sit back and be like, well, you know, I I wrestled here, I wrestled here, I wrestled here. Because stories my dad has are incredible, and the amount of places he's been to are countless. So it's you know, it's really a goal of mine to go, like, ah, I want as many stories as my dad has. Hmm. And it's pretty remarkable to land in New Japan. Obviously, the best wrestling by far on the planet, uh, in my personal opinion, is in New Japan. And you mentioned... 100%. Yes. And you mentioned that <laughs> dojo, and we talked to Jay White about it as well. What is that New Japan dojo like, being that young boy, being that young lion in that dojo? Uh, it makes you really think about if you want to wrestle, um, because you wake up, eight o'clock, you start cleaning the dojo. Ten o'clock, you're training for two, three hours. Um, once, uh, once you get in the swing of things, it's okay. But I remember my first week, I had to do a thousand squats every day as the start of our workout, and then we went on and did other things. So it was like real tough, and I'm like. And to be completely honest, I don't know if I've ever told anybody this, but to be completely honest, there was moments where I was like, I want to go home. You know, I don't know if I want this. And I was like, I can't go home because my dad's going to kick my butt if, 
if I quit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, some days it was just, you know, the fear of my dad going like, you're going you're gonna to disrespect my name like that? So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, you, once you, but I love wrestling so much and I wanted it that bad. So I, that was my life for a year and a half. Uh, not only in the dojo, once you're on tour, uh, you got to do laundry for the older guys. And they pay you to do it, but it's it's more of a, you know, paying your dues in their culture. Like, so they'll take care of you. They'll take you out to their sponsors. You go have a nice meal that somebody else pays for. But then, you know, it's like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning, and you got to go do laundry and then get on the bus. So it's a lot of uh, lack of sleep. It's a lot of running errands for people. As soon as you're done wrestling, get changed, and you're going sitting ringside every show, which is awesome. Because uh, for a year and a half, I saw every match, basically. Uh, I was I was ringside for Wrestle Kingdom 10. Uh, so it's got its perks. It's got its uh, things that aren't so fun, but it's, in my opinion, it, it's the best way to learn how to wrestle. It's, it teaches you everything you need to know. And it really, really, really makes you think about if this is really what you want. It's almost like that old school style, um, like those football coaches, really, they they try to break you and make you kind of thing. You like those hard-nosed, yes. like old school tactics? Um, yeah, I I like it. Uh, I think that's uh, anybody who's anybody kind of, kind of made it into that. There's a lot of the Japanese guys that now that are, you know, big stars. That's how they did it. They were, I mean, they had it way harder than I ever did. So I, I can't, I can't really, you know, hold my story up to theirs, but they went through so much more than me. So they, you know, they kind of look, look at the guys up coming up and they're like, well, this is what I had to do to get where I'm at. Like, how bad do you want it? So it's, uh, it's, you, got, you really got to prove yourself in Japan. Uh, but once you prove yourself, once you've won them over, it's it's the best place to work in the world. Now, the typical day of training, you were saying, you know, a thousand squats, you're cleaning the dojo, and that's basically to start the process and start what's going on. So who comes in, and, and is it like a Yuji Nakata? Like who's coming in training at, as you're going through the day? Uh, you know, it would some days it would be Kushida, some days it would be Taguchi, some days it would be Nagata, you know, it, some days it would be Nakanishi. Uh, some days it would be Makabe. You know, all, these guys would come in. You'd do their training. Uh, Nagato was a lot of, like, uh, a lot of amateur wrestling, a lot of grappling. Um, you know, Kushida was a lot of just cardio, cardio, cardio. Taguchi was just a lot of old-school Japanese workouts. We're doing line push-ups and squats and all these things. So everyone's different. You kind of know, uh, depending on you know, your strengths and weaknesses, you know, which days are going to be hard for you and which days aren't, um, or aren't going to be as hard, I should say. But uh, it's it's a team effort. Like, the, the boys that came up through the dojo were trained by the guys that are older. It's, it's an entire team process, which is really, really cool to me because it's, even when you're on the road, you know, before shows, they have all the dojo boys in the ring practicing, training. I mean, it's nonstop for them. Now, they also kind of, as you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they almost train you like you're going to be in a real fight, right? Like kickboxing, boxing, grappling, like you said, a little bit of grappling stuff, but they, it's almost like you're being prepared for a real fight? Uh, yes. 
hundred percent. It's it's uh going back to a different area of the world, but uh, my dad is I think it was Ori Williams who used to run in Wales. Uh if one of his wrestlers lost a fight, he fired him. So uh I I like to think that's kind of the same thing as like not that you can never really get in fights in streets anymore, it's not that it's a different time period, but I think they're trying to teach you how to handle yourself. So when you're in there, because we go hard, like we we beat each other up when we're in the ring, you know. So it's like you don't want to be a wimp. You don't want to be, you know, somebody who gets walked over. You got to be able to hold your own. And obviously, if you're in there with uh, Kushida and Nagata, guys with legitimate background and could like you know tap you out or, or knock you out, pretty intense, right? Yeah, but honestly, Kushida is one of my favorite people to be in the ring with. Uh, almost anybody he goes in there with, it's it's awesome. He's one of, he's one of the best in the world, and uh, actually, I haven't had a singles with him in a while, but I really really want another one because uh, it's just you always come out a little sore, but uh, it's always fun. Yeah, you got to wrestle him, uh, best of Super Juniors 22 and best of Super Juniors 23. So what's it like working with him? I feel like one of the best workers in, in the world, maybe a little underrated, under the radar a little bit, but he's got to be up there as one of the best. What was it like getting in the ring with him? Um, I, well, he, in my opinion, he is one of the best in the world because you put him, you pair him up with, for instance, Kyle O'Reilly, awesome match. Pair him up with Hiromu Takahashi. Awesome match. Like you can put Kushida with anybody, and it's going to be a great match. He's just—he's on another level. He gets it. He just gets it, and he's got something special to him that you can't really pinpoint, but you know it's there. He is uh, absolutely amazing. If uh, anybody out there hasn't seen some of his stuff, you gotta check him out. He's great. The time splitter himself, and of course coming out there with that awesome Marty McFly. Um, you know, the vest, if you will, is awesome. <laughs> so, you know, you're basically, you know, you're in the dojo, you're making your way through. Is it a bit of a culture shock at all, you know, living in Japan and kind of doing that, or were you kind of ready for it because your dad gave you some good advice? Um, I don't really get culture shock, to be honest. Like, I've, I've been to so many places that I'm just used to. Like, for instance, my parents are both European. We moved to the States when I was four, so that don't like, I go home and it's a different culture than, you know, what, like my school life when I was going to school. Like, it's, I've just always been in multiple cultures. So I'm just like, all right, they do things different. This is the way it is. Uh, what was really tough for me was, like, the amount of time I was in Japan. I thought I – like, the first time I went to Japan, it was five and a half months, um, which is – like, I wanted to ask for a year, like, right after I graduated high school. Uh, as, like, a volunteer, and I was homesick, like, bad. So I was like, oh, you know, I won't get homesick anymore. But, like, it was almost worse my first tour in Japan. I think it was more because of the language barrier, because, like, not everybody really speaks a lot of English, and I don't speak a lot of Japanese. So you got to kind of have a meaning, but the first few months was, like, it was hard. And then you get used to it, and then you love it, you know, and then and then it's all fun games from there. But first... First bit is, you know, it's it's a struggle. It's it's a battle of the mind. Hmm. And like you said, you go through a couple of struggles because you almost quit. But obviously, you know, you you push your way through, and you end up making your debut 2015 for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Obviously, the number one organization in Japan, probably the number two organization in the world. 
but you make your debut against a pretty big name, and I'm almost 100% certain on this, that Jay White also made his new fan debut against Alex Shelley. So what's yes, it like doing in there? Because usually, you know, it's young boy against young boy making their debut. You guys both get your debut against a, you know, pretty good veteran in Alex Shelley. Um, well, Jay came in because uh, Prince, David, who's now Finn Balor, uh, really saw something in Jay and was like, New Japan needs this guy. So uh, that was kind of uh, David's last, I guess, last gift to Japan was uh, was Jay White. Um, so, you know, Jay got there on his own accord, writing on nobody's name. He just he's just special. He's good. Uh I got there because Tiger Hattori, uh I met up with him and I was like, you know, my dad was emailing him, Tiger wouldn't respond. So I finally uh, you know, met up with him because I was living in New Jersey for a bit. We went up to New York. We had some mutual friend mutual friends. And uh so he met me, he was like, Oh, you look like your dad. Uh all right. He's like, put you in the super junior. So I was like, What? So, yeah, I put in the best of Super Juniors. So uh, I came in more of for nostalgic reasons, I guess, because they like tradition. Like, well, your dad was in the top of the Super Juniors, so you should do the best of the Super Juniors. So I came in not really knowing what to expect. Uh, debuted against Alex Shelley, and I accidentally fractured his foot in the match, and I was like, oh, no. I felt so bad, and uh, Shelley actually – to this day, he's been like a big brother to me. He's always taken care of me. Been such a, to myself and Jay as well. Just always been a great help. Always been like, hey man, how you doing? Always been, you know, giving us advice in wrestling. So, you know, Shelly's one of those guys that, you know, he's he's, he's just very kind-hearted. Looks after younger guys. Uh, just honestly, wrestling big brother. That's basically what he is. And obviously another great wrestler, another great super junior add to the long line of greats that were in New Japan and are in New Japan. And in that super junior tournament, you're facing Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, uh, Tiger Mask, Rocky Romero, Bobby Fish, Kushida, all these great guys. But Mascara Dorada, who's obviously now in WWE as Grand Metallic, really stuck you know, stuck out to me in that tournament. It's like, oh, wow, they're going to get a great guy from CMLL, and this is a really good opportunity for a young guy like you. So what was it like kind of being in that tournament, living it, and then wrestling a guy like Dorada? Dorada was – he was one of my – he was actually stayed at the Dodger for a little bit as well. Um, not as a young boy, just he just had a long-term deal with New Japan, and I, I don't know what they worked out, but he was staying at the dojo. And – uh we ended up becoming really good friends, but Dorado was, to this day, is the best luchador I have ever wrestled. I haven't wrestled that many, but he, he's the best one. He's, he's almost like a hybrid, kind of. Like, he, he wrestles a very... Uh, he was wrestling a, more of a Japanese style when he was there, and he'd do his stuff here and there. But uh, he, he was a cool guy to be around. Definitely an awesome guy. Obviously, he was on WWE's radar. They, they scooped him up, put him in the Cruiserweight Classic, and kind of rest his history with him. You wrestled somebody who quite possibly might be one of the biggest legends ever in the history of Japan. Obviously, this is separate from the, this tournament, but Jushin Thunder Liger. What was it like getting in the ring with him? Because that's got to be a huge honor for you, given that he's one of the greatest, not even in Japan, but one of the greatest of all time. Uh, well, for me, it was... Uh, that was one of those moments, um, very few moments I've had in my career where it's like, 
as somebody who's like, you know, like tore up with my dad, you know, like went hard with my dad. I was like, this is one of those things where it was like, all right, this is this is a stepping stone for me. So uh, I got to I got to actually wrestle uh, Liger at Corican Hall in a singles match, which is about as special as you can get. And yep. uh, I remember afterwards, just like, like didn't really know what to think. Uh, like it's it's one of the very few matches that I actually got nervous before. I don't get nervous very often. I'm very uh, comfortable with wrestling, very confident in myself. But that one. It got to me a little bit. I was like, Ugh. you know, I really didn't want to mess that one up because that was somebody who has been wrestling forever almost, and I have a huge amount of respect for. It, but it was one of those moments in my career that I can look back and be like, that, that was a cool moment. Awesome moment for sure. And you know what's cool when you, when you really look at kind of like where you started in your span. Obviously, Flurry and the Super Juniors, which is really cool. These opening matches sometimes you don't always get a long amount of time. And sometimes it's like young boy against young boy or, or two Japanese guys wrestling each other. But you and Jay White had a series of kind of opening match, uh, you know, opening match on the card. And it's not your, you know, typical short match, not your typical, um, oh, you, you guys are only going to do a certain amount of moves. I mean, you guys really had really good matches, like opening up the card. And, I, you know, he made a point to me that, that he he won quite a bit of those. Obviously, I think you only ended up winning one. But what was that like? Was it kind of like a mini feud with you and Jay White? Uh, well, it's almost like a real-life feud. Uh, he's my best friend. You know, we're best friends. We, he's in uh, he's working for ROH right now on excursion, and I'm in Japan. And that's like, you know, we spent every day together in the dojo, every day together on the road. Um, we were in matches together constantly. So, you know, we – know each other very very well uh so i actually miss wrestling him now and yeah he did he, he loves to bring up that he beat me eight times in a row <laughs> but uh i don't really care um <laughs> but um yeah we would go out to like sponsor dinners and stuff and he'd like you know people would ask for like signatures and stuff and he'd like write his name jay white and then just put a big eight on it with a big circle and i'm just like dude come on so he loved rubbing that one in. But uh, now Jay's one of those guys that a few years down the road, people are he's going to be turning more and more heads as time goes on. He's really, really good, and he's one of my favorite guys to, to be in the ring with. And it's pretty cool that traditionally it seems like the opening match, they didn't give it as much time to it, where they kind of wouldn't let the guys kind of do their thing. I felt like they gave you guys kind of the ultimate respect to like, all right, let's see what these two guy, you know, guy chins have. Let's let's throw them out there and see what they can do. Well, uh, if I am not mistaken, Jay White was the first guy Jin Young Lion, and I was the second one who came in like four months after him. So uh, we we kind of brought something different to the table. We came in with Tanya Kamatsu, who had been already, already been wrestling three years. So it was like it was a different class of young lions, and it was also we were the kind of the first class of young lions in the New Japan world era where you can just get on the internet and stream stuff. So uh, there was, you know, it, we were more accessible, I think, uh, globally. Because before us, it was like, you kind of had to get tapes or, you know, look it up on the internet and stuff. Whereas, like, now you have all these streaming services and wrestling is literally at your fingertips. And I think that had something to do with it. And on top of that, me and, me and Jay, uh, I mean, everybody's like, oh, you guys have good chemistry and stuff. So I think that's part of it, too, is just 
we'd always try and do something different. We just like, all right, well, we're first match. Let's try and get the show started really good. And we just went out there and just had fun, you know, like, and we beat the tar out of each other, but we had a lot of fun doing it. You guys definitely have great chemistry against each other. And looking at some other matches, obviously, I mean, Jay White, those matches stick out to me. But whenever you kind of get the chance to wrestle a New Japan legend and a wrestling legend, you know, I mentioned Lager before, I always think it's cool, like, for you guys. Maybe I could be wrong, but when they throw you in there with a Kojima, is that something where, like, oh, this is awesome, you know, I get to wrestle this legend? Or is it just kind of another day in the office for you? Um, I mean, I'm just kind of used to it now, not to to downplay it by any means, but, like, these are my coworkers now, uh, I have the, like the world of respect for them, but I'm around so many great guys that it, it's just like, all right, sweet. Um, however, teaming with Kojima and teaming with Ricochet was really, really cool for me because Kojima, when he was on his excursion, he went to Germany when I was like two years old. And he actually used to babysit me when I was two years old. And, Whoa, uh, no way. You know, wow. <laughs> yeah, so fast forward 21 years, uh, I you know, become a replacement for the trios match, we end up winning the trios titles. And my first Wrestle Kingdom was, you know, teaming with Kojima. And I was actually able to fly my parents out to my first Wrestle Kingdom. And so my mom and dad got to watch me tag with a guy that used to babysit me 20 years ago. Oh, wow. What, you know, that's insane. How, how crazy is that? And obviously uh, he remembered that, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Man, that's uh, that's pretty remarkable, and it's pretty uh, pretty awesome. And obviously, Wrestle Kingdom in and of itself is awesome. And then you throw that into the mix. I did I didn't know that at all. That's actually really cool. So, what was it like um, at the Wrestle Kingdom? Obviously, with some extra added um, incentives for you there. And obviously, the Tokyo Dome is one of the most sacred and hallowed grounds in the history of the professional wrestling business. Uh, it is by far the greatest thing I've ever done. Uh, was fun. I loved it. Like I said, I was able to fly my parents out. And the last time, my parents actually watched me wrestle. Like in the same, like they were at the building in the crowd watching me wrestle. It was before I ever went to Japan. Before I even ever went to England, I had like it was like my eighth match that they saw. I'd been wrestling for maybe like six months or something. I can't really remember the amount of time, but it was super early in my career. And then you fast forward, and the very next time you see me wrestle, the biggest moment of my career in front of 25,000, 30,000 people in the title match, you know, that to me was like, you know, that, that, the fact that I could fly my mom out alone was surreal to me. So the fact that I had the support of both my parents there was what made that night special for me. So, um, yeah, so that's by far the coolest thing I've done probably in my life. That is awesome to hear, and I, and I love that story. Your parents were there. I, I didn't even realize that. I mean, I, I watched the show, and I watched the uh, the openweight six-man gauntlet match. Obviously, you know, you had the LIJ in there. You had the Bullet Club. But what was it like when you win the uh, openweight six-man titles? Because you beat, you know, the, the Bullet Club. You beat Cole and the Young Bucks. But it's almost like they're they're giving you something. You know, like um, maybe to us, it, maybe it means a little bit more because, oh, they're giving them a title. They're, they're the champs. They mean something. Does it still mean something to you, you know, that they gave you the belts and your champs with Kojima, your former babysitter, and Ricochet, one of the best 
cruiserweights, if you will, in the world? Uh, yeah. Uh, I felt like, um, you know, I, I had the, uh, I had their trust, you know, granted my year last year was a lot of, a lot of it was, I was the replacement guy, uh, like best of super juniors. I wasn't originally intended to be in it, uh, in 2016, but, uh, the young bucks got hurt and they needed a replacement. So they're like, well, they were incredible. So I did it and they gave me an opportunity to show, Hey guys, I've improved. I can handle a whole lot more than you think. Uh, so fast forward, you know, uh, to the trios titles thing um, in Kobe. And the came we were like, uh, you're the placement for that match. I was like, what? Uh, yeah, you're the placement. I'd literally been out of the dojo for three weeks. It was my first tour, not being a young boy. And they put me in a, they put me in a uh, title match and we ended up winning it. Um, so it, it was just cool to know, like, they think I'm capable, and it's like, you know, and then they trust me. That that really means a lot, you know. Yeah, it's cool to see, and it was unpredictable in a way too, because obviously you and Ricochet were teaming with you throw Kojima in there. You almost didn't think you guys were going to win, but really cool little little curveball there, a little uh, you know, a little surprise there. Yeah, it was a, it was a surprise to me as well, and uh, I actually read somewhere on the internet because um, I actually do vanity search myself because I think it's funny, um, and everybody does. But uh, but somebody I can't remember who said it, but somebody said that they were call, like they wanted to call me Kojima and Ricochet team unexplainable chemistry, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. And then I thought about it, I was like, oh, it actually doesn't make sense because none of us have really anything in common. But we ended up actually making it work somehow. So, uh, but yeah, it was cool with that team with them. Uh, I think Ricochet and I are still tag partners. I don't know. Like, I don't know what he's doing. Um, I'm actually at home right now. I'm off I'm off the, uh, what is it, New Beginning Tour? I'm off right yep. now because uh, I'm hurt. But uh, I should be back pretty soon. What is the uh, what is the injury? Uh, I tore my labrum. Oh, okay. So it's, so it's a shoulder injury. However, it's not a bad enough tear to like fix it with surgery. It's still pretty small. So yeah, I mean, granted, I got it checked out in Japan because I got hurt in Japan. So through like broken English, I think what was said was like take three weeks off. You should be fine, uh, and. Labrum doesn't heal because there's no blood flow going to it. It's a ligament. So it's I'm going to be working with a torn labrum until it tears big enough to fix it surgically. So that should be fun. But uh, I'm actually kind of like I'm missing Japan right now. I've been home for almost a week, and it's weird because I'm usually not home this long. I'm like, oh, i still got like two weeks to go, um, which is cool. It's nice to you know catch up with everybody and stuff. But it's also weird not wrestling this long. It's almost like the opposite of homesick. You're uh, you're Japan sick right now. Yeah, which I didn't think would be a thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so your timetable will return. You'll probably be back in two weeks, and you'll probably be back uh, wrestling in New Japan. Yeah, I'll time. probably be back on the next tour. I don't have my flight yet, but I should be back on the next tour. Like I'll be cleared by then. It's actually feeling a lot better. Like I've got full range of motion back, and actually just started like trying to rehab it today. So should be rocking and rolling before I know it. Now, with a guy like you, and you're pretty young to the business, I always like to look at, you know, like, standout matches or, or matches that's like, oh, wow, you wrestled that guy or, 
you know, I wonder what he thinks of wrestling that guy. When you're wrestling Ghetto, you know, the booker of New Japan, what was that kind of like? Was that kind of almost uh, surreal in a way? It's like, oh, wow, I'm, you know, wrestling in pseudo my boss in a way. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. Like, I just, honestly, any any match I had on the Super Juniors for me this, this past year was just awesome. I was like, oh, man. Like, I was literally excited to wrestle every single person in the bracket. Uh, or in the block, sorry. Um, and I, I just love wrestling. So literally any time they're like, all right, this is my match. I'm happy about it because I love it because I, I love wrestling. I love wrestling other people, new people, and just kind of put stuff together and going out there and just tearing it up. Arguably right now, Ricochet would be considered one of the greatest high flyers in wrestling. But you had the chance to wrestle the other guy, arguably the greatest high flyer, Will Ospreay. And obviously he was somewhat a part of that big-time boom in the British scene, a great UK wrestler. So what are your thoughts on Will Ospreay? Uh, Will is actually a pretty good friend of mine, and we, you know, we're we're actually the uh, the young guys on the on the roster. Uh, Will's actually like nine days older than me, so we always like joke around and we're like, or actually everybody jokes around with us, and they're like, oh yeah, you guys are just kids or whatever, which is usually Juice Robinson saying that because he likes to think he's older than he is. Um, <laughs> but Will is actually Will's a really cool guy. He's really talented, and I'm actually really glad he's in Japan because. Uh, he's, he's where he needs to be. However, because Ricochet is my tag partner, I have to disclaimer and say, I think Ricochet is better. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you ringside for their epic uh, encounter there that got so much play basically yes, all I over was. the world? I was. What was that like? Yes, I was ringside for that. Uh, I remember sitting ringside, and me and Jay were sitting in the or uh, one of the one of the corner posts, just watching the match and we're just like what on earth it's happening like we knew as it was happening this was something special and I actually up until that point in time I was just like hey Osprey's cool but I don't really you know what's what's the hype about him but like that was when uh I I knew Ricochet was good that's when I knew Osprey was something special and I knew the two of them together was something even more special than that uh and then you know, the, the chaos that ensued later on the internet and stuff was awesome. I loved it. I loved all the people going, yeah, this is great. And I loved all the people going, no, this sucks. That's not wrestling. Because it got eyes on New Japan. And uh, and it got eyes on Osprey. It got eyes on Ricochet. And it got eyes on wrestling. Uh, so I think that was one of those things that kind of helped the boom of the entire wrestling world right now. I think I think wrestling as a whole was booming. And I think that was one of those, uh, one of those matches that really, uh, assisted that. Definitely. I mean, you had, uh, Vader, you know, making a big star about it. Obviously he ended up wrestling Osprey, but it was really cool to see all those differing opinions. And even, you know, a guy like Steve Austin and, and, and so on commenting on it. It's really kind of cool when you think about it. like, you're right. It's, not only getting eyes on the product, but it's getting people talking. Yeah, and re- honestly, I'm telling you, you need to people talking about it because, you know, somebody might not know that New Japan exists. Like, oh, you know, they hear this big thing. Oh, let me check out this match. And, you know, they might like it, but you know, I want to watch more of this company. 
Or, you know, they might go, oh, I think Ricochet is cool, and they're going to try and find whatever Ricochet is doing or whatever Osprey is doing. Or they might have watched the whole show and found somebody on that show that they liked. And then, you know, it just it opens endless possibilities for everybody. So uh, hopefully New Japan can produce more matches like that. And I think they did with uh, Kenny Omega and Okada this year at Wrestle Kingdom. I think that was another one of those matches that is going to help that boom of wrestling. Now, so many people had an opinion on that. Mostly positive, of course. I mean, you, I mean, you can't really say anything wrong about that match. It was one of the greatest matches exactly. of all time. Like, I, I don't see what you can say wrong about that. In my opinion, that was the greatest match I've ever seen in life. Uh, I wasn't ringside for it, but I did actually sneak out into the audience to watch it because Kenny is an animal. He's one of the best in the world. Okada's one of the best in the world, and I had no idea that that was even capable what they what they came up with, what they did. Um... But it was awesome. Like, that was one of the first times where, like, I actually see my dad go, like, that, that was incredible. Because usually he's just like, yeah, it was good. You know, and just kind of, you know, he's, he's not, like, a bitter or grumpy or anything, but it's just like, yeah, it was good. But, like, he was like, no, that was incredible. Like, he went up to Kenny Omega after the match and, like, shook his hand. So that's that's how impressive that match was. Somebody who's been wrestling for, uh, how long has he been wrestling? 48? No, not 48. 43 years. He's been in the business 43 years. And he still got wowed. So, huh. I, what else can you say about it? If you're getting the uh, Belfast Bruisers approval on that one, you know you had a damn good match. <laughs> and it's funny, I, I was reading that somebody was saying that all that, that table spot wasn't necessary. I said, well, did you follow the feud? The whole thing was that Omega put him, you know, weeks leading up, put him through the table saying that, you know, softening him up the table spot like makes perfect sense in the feud. So I was even, I was even just somehow defending the, the match against somebody that said something. I was like, it was the greatest match ever. Come on. Well, uh, a lot, a lot of people, uh, this is kind of going back to the, uh, Osprey Ricochet match. A lot of people saw that two minute clip, the opening part of the match where they both do the, you know, handspring on the ropes, backflip, you know, superhero pose thing. And a lot of people, that's all they saw was that opening stretch of the match. And they go, that's not wrestling. So a lot of people take things out of context. They see a match and don't know the story before the match. A lot of people see a part of a match and don't see the entire match. And then they draw a conclusion from that, which they're entitled to, but it's also kind of ignorant. It's like you're only doing yourself a disservice because you're missing out on something awesome. And the bottom line is, you know, we're out there to put people in their seats to make them go home talking about what they saw. And I think those are moments where people went home and they definitely talked about what they saw, and they were happy. Hmm. And I feel like Omega is kind of, you know, taking that torch now being, you know, the next uh, great wrestler. But Okada, obviously, right now, kind of the new ace. He's constantly having great matches. But thinking about the ace and, and all these great matches and kind of the resurgence of New Japan and where it started, and it has to be Hiroshi Tanahashi, you got the chance to team with him. What was it like kind of getting that stamp from him and being placed in a team with, you know, the real ace of New Japan? Uh, well, I've actually been on this. I've actually teamed with Tanahashi a few times. I've, I've been across the ring from him. I've been, you know, on the same side of the ring as him. I've watched him for, you know, every show when I was a young boy. Um, and no matter how, you know, quiet the crowd, because Japan sometimes has a reputation of having quiet crowds, in the wintertime when the weather's cold, the building is freezing cold, and everyone's just kind of 
trying to stay warm and they're like, you know, huddle up. They don't want to move. They don't want to make noise. No matter what kind of crowd we have, Tanahashi is one of those guys that they always become unglued for. I've never seen anything like it. They love him. And he, he's he's got so many special qualities to him. And he's somebody that I look up to and, uh, you know, aspire to be like because he's so good. He's so good. And I I want to be that good. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't, hmm. I don't know what they're doing. He's definitely, he's, I mean, he's one of the greatest of all time in feminine period. He, he's the man. He's the ace. But, you know, if I could kind of go into a completely different direction and almost talk about your most recent run there in New Japan right after the Wrestle Kingdom, and that was Fantastica Mania with CMLL. Sort of like kind of almost changing gears a little bit and going into, you know, the Lucha Libre style of New Japan. Do you like kind of changing styles like that? Uh, I don't mind the change of style, but I'll be completely honest. I did not enjoy that. Enjoy Lucha. Um, it's just not my thing. I don't fly around. Mm. You know, I I get down to it and I'll fight you, you know. So uh, it's, it's a very it's a very different style for me, one that I don't – one that doesn't really resonate with me. But, you know, again, the, the people that came to watch the show went home happy, and that's all that matters. And uh, – you know, New Japan, we're like, hey, we'll use the store. Okay, cool, I'll do it. You know, I'm never going to complain about wrestling because, like I said, I love to wrestle. But uh, that was one of those things that is like, I'm glad this is, you know, a once-a-year once a tour and not all the time because I definitely like Japanese-style wrestling way better. Hmm. And I feel like New Japan, and I obviously, you know, they, they've had to deal with CML for a while now, but making that deal with the Ring of Honor is cool. And obviously, ROH puts on some shows. So, of course, naturally, when ROH and New Japan had a show together in 2016, you versus Jay White kind of reliving that, you know, reliving that feud, you know, reliving that eight, if you will. So, was it any different wrestling him for ROH than it, you know, it really was for New Japan? Or is it kind of the same chemistry you guys have that you guys are going to do that, that same, you know, uh, same well, style? Same we, wrestled each other, we wrestled each other for ROH. It was in Japan. It was at Cork and Hulk. So... I mean, every every time we get in the ring, we try, and probably did last time. I feel like we've got so much more potential to actually do something great, and not just go, oh, these two kids have been wrestling that long, you know, they're doing a good job. Like I think we've got uh, so much more potential than that, and I'm waiting for him to get back because Jay's and mine career is going to be intertwined until we're done. Um, whether we're you know teaming together, whether we're against each other, whatever it may be. We're stuck together like glue, and I'm excited for that because I I feel like Jay brings out you know the best in me. I hope I bring out the best in him. And you know we haven't wrestled with each other in I don't know how long, but I miss it because it's fun. It's always like you're done wrestling, and it's like all right, that was good. It's something that you can go home happy about. You know, it's like all right, I did a good job today. Um, but to answer your question, if it was any different, uh, yes, in the sense of you know, we we have a different match every time, but no in the sense of, like, it was in Japan, it was for New Japan, uh, and it was, you know, for that Japanese crowd. So it, was, it wasn't much different. But I, I wrestle the same no matter where I go. Like, I'm going to do my stuff. I'm going to wrestle my style. And, you know, that's that's just what I do. Now, speaking of your style, do you prefer working face, or would you rather be working heel? I don't really... Uh, 
I don't, I don't really care which network. I, I kind of like, honestly, when I first started, I was like, oh, I, I want to be a bad guy. I want to be a hill like my dad. Um, and then I kind of shied away from it because nobody would let me. Um, but I like I, I'm I'm a baby face in Japan, and you know I I think I've gotten uh, comfortable in that, and I, I think I like that. Right now I like that, and I'm not I'm not bored yet. So uh, so I think I think I like baby face better right now. What do you think about the fact that a lot of people now get to see New Japan? You know more in the states than ever because back in the day, obviously, you know we went the tape trading route or we get a magazine to read about guys. But now, I mean, not only can we get it, you know, at, at our fingertips and see whatever we want, but now it's on broadcast television in the states. Is that something that uh, still kind of surprises you to see that uh, taking over into the United States market? Um, I think it's awesome that New Japan is at your fingertips. Uh, because of the New Japan world, because of the internet. Um, I think it benefits everybody, and it's one of those things that, again, helps wrestling boom. Uh, also, we've got New Japan on Access TV, like you said. Like the other, um, a couple months ago, one of my favorite teachers in high school, uh, my drama teacher, messaged me on Facebook. I was like, oh, I just saw you on TV. I was like, what are you talking about? And... Uh, just saw me sitting ringside seconding some match, but he was like, oh, yeah, I saw you on TV. So it's it's also cool to know that people that, you know, taught me in school, people that uh, I went to, excuse me, went to school with, people in the States will actually watch it on TV. Like, I, I didn't realize that that was an actual thing. Um, but I, I knew we had TV in the States, but it, I, I didn't actually realize that uh, that many people watched it. Uh, so that's cool. Um, so as many things as we can get New Japan's product down, uh, the more the better. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it was really cool when they first introduced it on Access TV and you got to see, you know, some of the Wrestle Kingdom matches that are, you know, the marquee matches that obviously, you know, if you weren't a diehard fan who's seen them already, you know, it was cool to just kind of add the English commentary to it. But now the fact that they were able to churn out this past Wrestle Kingdom so fast and they're getting some of the more current matches out, in a quicker fashion, I think it's uh, it's it's more than helping people be aware of New Japan. But you know, I don't know if anybody considers wrestling to necessarily be in a boom right now. But like we've said, there's more wrestling now at your fingertips than there's ever been before. But what's something that you go looking for if you want to fill your wrestling fix? What are you going to look for right at your fingertips? Uh, I actually lately have been really liking to watch uh, some old New Japan stuff and really exploring New Japan world. Me and Juice Robinson uh, have a habit of uh, staying up real late in hotel rooms, just chilling, you know, having a couple of drinks together and just watching like old school matches of, of New Japan, where else, whatever else they have on there, uh, which is something I never really did, and that's been interesting to me. Uh, interesting to me to see like kind of the history of the company that I work in. Um, so that's that's what I've been watching lately. But you, you know, you get to see all over the world. You get to see what the fans are like in Japan. You get to see what the you know the the people like in the states. But 
What do you think about the United States uh, wrestling scene and where it's headed based off of how popular wrestling is getting across the Internet and iPay-per-view and people being able to watch shows whenever they want? You know, How do you think the United States is taking to these uh, international products? Um, I mean, obviously, the United States is WWE, but I feel like push that aside, there's a whole – there's multiple scenes, I feel like. I feel like it's not just one scene. There's multiple uh, scenes, so – uh, I feel like there's a lot going on, and, uh, you know, you can really get your fill on wrestling. You can really find exactly what you want, exactly what you like. You know, it's it's, it's right there. There's so many options. So, uh, yeah, it's just there's there's a lot more going on than, than uh, at least I used to be aware of. Now, as we start to wind it down a bit here, we talked about, some awesome matches you had. Obviously, we talked about a great feud with Jay White. You know, we talked about Chushin Thunder Liger. All these cool matches and guys you were able to wrestle. And obviously, Wrestle Kingdom 11. I mean, that really, really sticks out. But do you have a favorite match or maybe a couple favorite matches besides the ones that we mentioned? Um, yeah, I really, really like wrestling Kyle O'Reilly, and I really, really like wrestling Juice Robinson. Uh, I feel like Juice is another one of those guys like Jay. You know, he came to the dojo after me. He had already done, you know, WWE. He was into uh, NXT. And, uh, you know, he came in and just another one of those guys that just works hard, goes in there, gives it his all. And, uh, you know, I feel like he's been having a phenomenal year because when he came in, everybody, or the Internet, per se, um, really didn't like him and, you know, he's not one of those guys that really cares about what the internet says. He's just like, oh, whatever. You know, I got a job. I'm going to do my thing. I'll prove him wrong. And I think he has. Um, I always knew he was good. Uh, but, like, first, he just had a uh, title match with Goto for the Never Openweight title. And he did such a great job. You know, uh, wrestled Cody, Cody Rhodes at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Such a great job. He's one of those guys that is nowhere close to peaking. Uh, and he's another one of those guys that you should really, really watch. And he's one of my favorite people to wrestle, um, just because he's he's just he's something different. He's something different. Now we talked about all the guys you you know you have wrestled, all these amazing guys. But is there a dream match, or is there somebody that you haven't wrestled that you would absolutely love for the chance to wrestle? Off the top of my head, probably Sammy Callahan is somebody who I want to wrestle. Uh, Partially because he's the only guy ever that when I started wrestling that wasn't like an old timer, that my dad was like, you need to watch this guy, and you need to steal his stuff. And I don't think I've actually still, stolen anything of Sammy's, but the fact that my dad was like, this guy is good, you need to watch him, and was like a current guy, that's the only case that's ever happened. And I'm just, I, I really like watching Sammy Callahan because he's good. So I think it was, that's one of those guys that, you know, I would I would click well with. So off the top of my head, Sammy Callahan. Now, is there anybody in New Japan? Obviously, I mean, there's the Okadas of the world and guys like that, but the guys that you haven't wrestled yet, basically one-on-one, is there somebody you would like to have like a big one-on-one kind of uh, blow-away match with in New Japan? Um, big one-on-one blow-away match. Honestly, like I'm happy happy having a singles match with anybody. Um, Osprey was one of those guys that I kind of wanted a singles match with, and I got. Um, 
honestly, right now I'm just, you know, take on all comers, you know. Uh, there's nobody in particular, uh, and that's because I just I want to wrestle everybody. Yeah, I feel like this is almost like generic interviewer question. And it's kind of I hate asking it, but I kind of feel like you almost have to ask it just to see, you know, your gauge on it or your answer on it. But have you ever thought about obviously because your dad is a producer for the WWE? But have you ever thought about wrestling for the WWE, or is kind of New Japan the top of, of where you want to be? Uh, yeah, I thought about it when I was when I was uh, younger. Um, I really wanted to wrestle for WWE. I really wanted to do. I want to be. WWE champion. I wanted to. I wanted to do WrestleMania. And then uh, when I was like 15, my dad was like, you know, this is what you're gonna do. And then you know, I got to Japan, and uh, I loved it. Fell in love with Japan. Fell in love with New Japan. Um, so as of right now, I mean, I don't. I'm 23 years old. I'm still, you know, pretty young. Uh, so I don't know what the future holds. However. As of right now, I am perfectly content wrestling in New Japan because I think New Japan's on the rise. I think it's going to be great, and I want to be on that train. Um, so I'm, I, I would be happy wrestling in Japan my entire career. I, as of right now, I have no desire to leave. Definitely, uh, That's definitely not a bad way to, uh, to look at your career. We always love to ask. You know, where you see yourself in five years, but I'm going to get to that in just a minute because i got to ask you, and I know John and I, uh, being huge fans of your dad's going all the way back to the Belfast Bruiser days, but we got to know, if you can give us the answer to this question, it would be great, where is the trademark Fit Finley jacket these days? The one with the shoulder pad and the stud down one sleeve? Oh, yeah, that's the one. Well, uh, so it was given to me when I was a teenager, so I had it in my closet. Then for one WrestleMania, my dad needed it. I think it was like 25, possibly. He wore it out at WrestleMania, and uh, I never got it back. So I think it's at my parents' house. But uh, I went looking for it, and I couldn't find it because I wanted to steal it. Um so, but I have been uh, thinking about getting my own made, tweaked a little more to my personal liking, uh, just to make it a little bit different. But uh, so I'm waiting for a day to break one of those out, just kind of as a throwback and a tribute to my dad. But I have no idea what the thing is. I think it's my dad locked it up and hid it because I think he knew I was hunting for it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, what a trademark there is. Maybe you could just switch the shoulder or something, make it your own. That would be great for a Wrestle Kingdom or a huge uh, a huge show for you to wear that out. And, uh, you know, as I get back to that five-year question, you know, we love to ask it, where do you see yourself in five years? You know, you mentioned WWE Champion as a goal when you were younger, and we've heard your path that you're going on now. Obviously, nothing but the best is coming for you, but where do you see yourself in five years in the wrestling business? Uh, five years in the wrestling business, uh, a lot richer, hopefully. Um, <laughs> no, but... Um, Honestly, in five years, I would love to be one of those guys that, you know, everybody's talking about. For instance, like Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, Ricochet, those guys that, you know, wherever they go, they're in high demand, and they they perform at a level that's, you know, just very, very high. And to most people, it's unreachable, but I, I fully believe I'm capable of that. I'm on the path to that. 
And that's where I want to be. Is I want to be one of those guys that's just producing great matches after great matches after great matches after great matches. Yeah, well, your future looks very, very bright. And from what we've seen so far, you're a, a true asset to the professional wrestling business and carrying on the legacy of the Finley name. And obviously, like I alluded to with Hornswoggle, he's, uh, he's not carrying on the name as, uh, as well these days. But as we wrap it up, please share with the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling where they can find anything and everything in the world of David Finley. All right, so my Twitter is at the David Finlay, and my Instagram is super super Dave. I don't know why I did them different, but I did. Uh, so that's where you can find me. Uh, I tweet absolute nonsense, and I post pictures of myself with weird captions. So if you're into that, follow me. Um, you can catch me on New Japan World, uh, and that's about it. I'm kind of slightly reclusive, I guess. Oh, that's awesome, and we appreciate that. And I would have loved to have asked if your uh, your drama teacher, when he hit you up on Facebook after seeing you on uh, Axis TV, if he finally was able to answer that question, if you love to fight just like your dad did. Sorry, I had to get another Finley pun in there. <laughs> well, I do love fighting, so uh, I do it for a living. So I think it's safe to say that most most Finleys in general love to fight. <laughs> well, you can consider that isolated and probably being added into our intro. So you uh, you just helped the two-man power trip of wrestling out more than you'd ever know. But, David, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you sharing all the stuff that you did tonight and uh, nothing but the best. And we will be talking about you five years down the line, probably even before then with uh, how things are going. But thanks so much. Thank you so much, guys. I had a blast. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.